Premier League season is over, but we still have the FA Cup final, Champions League and Europa League to come. And Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Jordan, you're a great professional. Well, tell me you're going to get absolutely rotten tonight, like me. <laughs> Possibly. Oh, Come on, Jordan, go for it, lad. Enjoy yourself. Cheers, hey! Cheers. It. It's the Red Agenda, and it's a chance to look back on one of the most remarkable league stories ever written. I'm Steve Hothersall, and today, alongside James Pearce and Simon Hughes, we're going to pick out some of the key moments in this longest ever Premier League season, which ultimately ended Liverpool's 30-year wait for league success. So number 19 is secured. It's reflected on the uh, wall of champions at the club now. Uh, let's get some thoughts uh, from the boys. Welcome along, Simon. Good morning, Steve. Hello, James. Morning, Steve. You okay? Jurgen Klopp's side sealing the title with seven games to spare. Eclipses uh, Manchester United and Manchester City in terms of how quickly they sealed respective titles. United in 2000, 2001 and City in 2017, 18 and already sealed it with five games left. But this was with seven games left. Uh, what does it say about this Liverpool side? How highly are they regarded or should they be regarded, James? Well, I think you could make a strong case for them being the, the, the greatest Premier League champions we've, we've seen in terms of what they've had to overcome to achieve it. The fact that, as you said, you know, no one's ever, ever wrapped up the title with seven games to spare before to, to finish on 99 points. And, and especially when you put it in the context of, you know, to come so close last season. You know, I think I think you know it's it's something absolutely outrageous, isn't it? It's like 100 196 points out of the last 228 on offer across the last two seasons, and to and and to you know to get 97 and not win it, and then to respond with with 99, what is it? Only one short of City's all-time record. You know, the highest points tally a Liverpool team has ever accumulated. You know, a club record 14 away league wins in a season, 32 league wins in total. Um, just absolutely. Extraordinary, and yeah, of course there was a bit of an easing off once the the title was mathematically secure. But you know that shouldn't take anything away from from what this incredible group of players achieved from kind of August right through to to March. Simon, greatest ever Premier League side, or are the margins too fine to determine that? I think it, you know, there's there's quite a few teams that are in that conversation, and, and Liverpool are certainly one of them. Um, I mean, James touched on it then. I, I think that to, to, to miss out on the title last season in the way that they did and then to respond in the way that they have, I just think that that hasn't really happened too often before. That I'd have to go back and... Uh, it, it does remind me of, of, of dare I say, Manchester United in, when, when they won the title in 93, having missed out to Leeds the season before, you know, in quite dramatic circumstances. Um, you know, we, all the great teams since you've sort of... Uh, the, the momentum from those teams has, has been built over a relatively short period of time, whereas with this Liverpool team... I mean, we've said it before, but it's built year on year since since 2015. I mean, some people will say, well, you could see that Liverpool were going to certainly be competing this season. I, I didn't think that they'd, they'd win it in the way that they have. I mean, they've, they've absolutely obliterated the, the, the competition this season. Um, and I just think it says everything about the, the mentality of the manager and, and the, the, the culture that he's created amongst the players to, to, to recover from that disappointment of... Of, of missing out on the final day last season to go and win the Champions League, which was enormous for the club. It totally transformed the summer.
summer. I mean, I know it's you're naturally going to say that winning the Champions League is is a major moment. Um, but I think if they'd have lost that, it'd be interesting to see how they would have reacted. You know, to, to miss out on two competitions. Um, but yeah, I, I think that to, to to set the pace in the way they have, they've been top all season, haven't they? From from minute one, just incredible. And for me, you know, they're, they're up there with United '99 team, the Arsenal team that went unbeaten, um, the City team, and and some of the early Chelsea teams under Mourinho in terms of the style of the play, the identity, the the, the relentlessness of the team, um, right up there. So it's just it's difficult to pinpoint, isn't it? I think to, to sort of to define this is the best team. There's all sorts of different reasons why a team might be better than another team because the context changes. And I think now you know to, for Liverpool to get that points tally that they've that they reached, um, given and, and eclipse one of the great Manchester City teams and, and get ahead of them, I just think is is incredible, really. Yeah, they're definitely in the conversation, aren't they? Let, let's go to the start of the season and we'll tackle this chronologically to see how things worked out throughout the campaign. I, I remember in the pre-season, there were some concerns over Salah, Firmino, Mane. They all missed the trip to the States because of international commitments. And then, of course, there was the, the curtain raise of the Community Shield, which Manchester City won, James. Yeah, and you're right. You know, I was on that. I think think back to pre-season, and I think it was actually when I was writing my piece on the the Newcastle away game. I, I had like a one of those Facebook notifications that tells you kind of where you were on this day. And exactly a year ago, I was flying back from from Liverpool's pre-season tour of America, and there wasn't there wasn't too much to kind of enthuse you on the back of that. You know, they they'd lost to Borussia Dortmund in Notre Dame. They they they'd lost to Sevilla in. Fenway Park I think they'd drawn with Sporting Lisbon in the Yankee Stadium and and then of course even after that you know, I remember Murrayfield getting getting beaten 3-0 by Napoli and pre-season was far from ideal you're right you know on the top of the major tournaments meaning that key players came back late um, so yeah it was you know I certainly wouldn't say went into the the season with like 100% belief that this Liverpool team were were going to hit the ground running. Um, I think Evian was was really important for Klopp because, you know, I, I don't think he can really sometimes hide his kind of disdain a little bit for the, the commercial side of pre-season tours. And, you know, he, he always <laughs> talks about Evian as being my time, as in, you know, there's no media, there's no anything to endorse you know it's three sessions a day intense and it's about you know building up you know what they need for for the upcoming challenge so um yeah it was a, I mean, it was a strange game the community shield it was you know liverpool were i thought were, were pretty poor initially and then ended up finishing really strong probably should have beaten city but ended up losing on penalties so um yeah I'd, I'd say there was a there was a bit of uncertainty going into that Premier League opener against Norwich right so day one of the Premier League was the uh, the opener on the Friday night the game with with Norwich firm statement of intent by Liverpool crashed in some goals and all of a sudden we, we were full of um hope um but there was an injury to Alison Becker in that game Simon and, th- and that raised a few alarm bells if you if you just consider how important he'd been in the previous season yeah, d- definitely. I mean, I, I remember when he went down and I thought, oh God, you know, is, it, is this a sign of things to come? You know, the goalkeepers being, you know, one of the best best modern signings for Liverpool. I mean, he, he's, he's transformed the defence. I was just looking there this morning, I think it was Garth Crooks on, on uh, BBC. Uh, not 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 that, not that everything that Garth Crooks says is, is, is correct, of course, but, you know, he, he chose his team of the year and they, had, they have uh, three Liverpool defenders in that team, you know, which... Um, you know, a couple of years ago, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have chosen one wouldn't get anywhere near sort of any team of the year. I think, and I think a lot of that is obviously down to Van Dijk, but also the goalkeeper. And when he went down against Norwich, I, you know, I, I was I was concerned. Um, and obviously Adrian, I mean, that's that's one of the sort of the, the, the great subplots of the season, really. You know, the goalie who was sort of training, yeah. training, you know, with his mates in Seville only, I think, about seven seven to ten days before that and got the, the call up to come and join Liverpool. Liverpool had tried to sign a couple of goalkeepers. He wasn't even first choice. You know, Adrian, they, they, they tried to sign Alex McCarthy from Southampton first and he he decided that he didn't want to be a backup. He wanted to, to, to play games of football. You know, he's 32 and... That prompted them to go looking elsewhere, and um, I always, I always sort of watched Adrian at West Ham and thought he was, he was quite good. I was quite surprised when they'd replaced him uh, with Fabianski, who I know who'd, who'd obviously done well for Swansea, but. Um 
so yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a drop off, really, isn't it? Signing, signing the goalkeeper who who couldn't even get a game for West Ham, you know, and he, he's becoming, you know, he's right in the firing line straight away for the first first month of the season. And, and I know, like, sort of people very critical of his performance against Atletico Madrid, and quite right to be because I think of if, if um, Alison Becker plays in that game, let Liverpool go through. It's quite quite simple, really. But you know, he, he did make a major contribution in those early weeks and months of the season, and and you know, Liverpool got some some really good results against difficult opposition and it, I, th- I think that Norwich game sort of sums up the way Liverpool plays a lot throughout the course of the season they, 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 you wouldn't say that they were free-flowing at, at the very best but he just blew them away quickly and Norwich had a couple of chances okay but it almost felt suddenly you know when Norwich you know, it seems like Norwich get a chance at Anfield that chance means something more and I, I almost felt that the players you know they were in great you know great positions in front of the cop and ballooning the shots over the cop and I thought you know it's really showing you know that the power of, of Anfield now I think players were it proved to me that all right you know you can come and play a little bit but when when you need to deliver you know on the big stage you know it almost felt like Norwich were nervous around that you know in those big big moments and okay Norwich got relegated in the end and sort of um you know certainly not the best team in the Premier League this season but I just think it sort of summed up the way the season went afterwards really it you know it was a it was a, a confident performance without being necessarily free-flowing and Liverpool just played with a lot more conviction well you talked about Adrian earlier and I think that's a really interesting story because obviously he was presented with quite a bit of responsibility and the Super Cup soon followed in Istanbul against Chelsea and it's, it's an interesting staging post in the season because here's a team that's won the Champions League a few months before and they do say one, once you've won one thing things start to come with regularity James. Yeah, oh, 100%. I think you, you, you could sense that from, from speaking to the players. I think you know, James Milner probably the the perfect example of that. I remember, remember interviewing him in the mix zone after the Champions League final in Madrid, and he he said, you know, this is this is the biggest step this team will ever make because he said you know, the first one is the hardest to win, and he said, and I just know that now having having savored this, the, that there will be more to follow, and um, of course we didn't have to wait too long. What was it, middle of August? I was at Besiktas Park in Istanbul for you know. Bit of a roller coaster night against Chelsea in the Super Cup, and um, yeah, it was a, just an amazing start to Adrian's Liverpool career, as Simon said, from going from you know, training on his own in Seville um, and just waiting to see what opportunities presented themselves late on in the window to to suddenly making his debut against Norwich, and then of course in there from the from the start against Chelsea, and um, yeah, it was almost like a you know just summed up his season in many ways. You know, I think he was certainly at fault for, for for one of Chelsea's goals, but you know what a response from him to to make the decisive save in the in the shootout from from Tammy Abraham, and then of course you know amidst the celebrations, he actually he actually got taken out by a Liverpool fan who ran <laughs> on the pitch and suffered a really badly swollen ankle, which um, which which you know actually threatened to to keep him out of that trip to Southampton, which I think was only three days later you know again that was where the kind of the team behind the team at Liverpool came into their own because uh, you know they they worked absolutely tirelessly the the sport sports science and medical guys to to, to get him in a position where he where he could play at St Mary's and that was a feature of this season the fact that you know I think I think that was a game where a lot of people thought to themselves Southampton away on the back of having to go to penalties in midweek against Chelsea. You know that's a that's a real tough ask. Yet you know Liverpool really ground it out that day and you know showed a, a side to their game which which ended up being being crucial in being crowned champions. That you know that chiselling out those wins when you're not at your best. Yeah, let's talk about how they did craft some of those results after after that game. They settled into that incredible run of uh, Premier League results. Took 79 points from their opening 27 matches before losing bizarrely to, to Watford. Some really interesting fixtures in the run. Um, there was a home game with Newcastle, came from behind uh, to win. There was the away game at Chelsea, Simon. Now, Liverpool weren't at their attacking best in that game, but Jürgen said afterwards, effectively, it wasn't some sort of style competition with City. And I, I thought that sort of laid laid it bare, really, what, what his intentions were for the season. Mm. You look what happened the week before that. They, they, they went to Naples and lost Liverpool. And actually played well I, I I thought in Naples you know much better than they they had done 12 months previously but lost 2-0 this time and you know James touched on it then you know the, I think that in the past people have 
been critical of Liverpool quite rightly for some time. You know, a bit of a drop off in not only performance but results after big European trips. Um, that certainly wasn't the case at all this season. You know, I've obviously haven't gone to Istanbul. He went and beat Southampton, then haven't lost in Naples. He went to Stamford Bridge. There can't be many tougher places to go really after that sort of midweek game and Liverpool went there and, and, and got the result that they needed not not only just you know avoided defeat or, or got a draw they went and won and I mean a little bit of breaks of luck I suppose went along Liverpool's way in in, in the process of that win you remember that one of the VAR goals getting you know VAR was, was in the news that day put it that way in those moments you're just looking for your, your sort of your top players to, to show up when it matters and you know Liverpool you say, you say top players Liverpool got top players in every position and I just thought that that showed on the day you know Chelsea um, it's quite well documented you know they're in a period of transition I thought they, they were a bit naive at times and Klopp sort of you know got the better of Lampard as, as he did last week you know I think in the post-match and some of the stuff that he said since about <laughs> Lampard sort of showed you know he, he's still a young manager and still learning you know how, how to approach things but yeah that, that was a, that was a major win that for Liverpool you know because uh, they've, they've, they've been quite unfortunate with the, the, the flow of matches in between Champions League and, and the league. You know, if you look further down the line, there was, I think they played Red Bull, Salzburg, and then they had Leicester at home, which was another, you know, major, major, major win. You know, to win in injury time the way they did was was, was enormous. You know, they, they, they played Genk and then had Tottenham, you know, that those sorts of things just kept happening. Then Genk again and Man City, they won all those games. I just think... People talk about the depth of squads at Liverpool. I do agree. Maybe they need one or two more players, but they, they still have a really impressive bench at times, and that that that's helped a lot. You know, helped a lot in a lot of these games uh, and sequences, which has allowed Liverpool to to get the momentum into the league and, and just let allow them to race ahead. This is the uh, Red Agenda on The Athletic and we're offering you the chance to try out The Athletic for free. Uh, some great Liverpool articles on the site right now, including Ollie Kay's interview with Jordan Henderson, Simon's brilliant piece looking back at Andy Carroll's eventful spell at Anfield and a special quiz to mark the club's 30-year wait for the title. Read those and a whole lot more if you head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod and take advantage of our 30-day free trial. That's theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Uh, we're looking through the Premier League season, which ultimately ended in Liverpool being crowned uh, champions and picking out some of the big games and a moment. Sheffield United away, another display of resilience, 1-0 there. But perhaps the 1-1 the draw with Manchester United was a significant note in mid-October, James. Liverpool were looking for an 18th successive league win and found themselves pretty much on the ropes until late on, and then you saw what the team were all about when needed. Yeah, certainly, certainly not a, a particularly memorable performance. I was at, at Old Trafford that day, and um, yeah, I think it's I think I, I think it's one of the just one of one of the rare grounds under Klopp where Liverpool haven't really done themselves justice. And um, I, I thought I thought that was another occasion that day where where Liverpool probably paid United too much respect. I think. Um, you know, they didn't they didn't impose themselves on the game in in the way that I think a lot of Liverpool fans were expecting them to do considering the the unbelievable form that they that they went there in and of course you know Rashford put United in front but you know again it was one of those days where that power of resilience you know though that never say die spirit came to the came to the fore and um yeah probably the the biggest contribution that Adam Lallana made over the the course of the season, you know, I think he came on for Jordan Henderson, fifteen twenty minutes to go, and 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 timed his run perfectly to tuck tuck that Andy Robertson across away at the the far post, and I think that was you know, and it, again in the end it was one of those ones where you know it was one of those draws that that felt like a win. It just maintained that momentum, didn't it? I think you know to have your win taken out your sails by your arch rivals would have been. Would have been a real a real blow at that point, but it just it, it just kept it all going, and you know I, I think I think it would be probably a good time to you know say a few words about Lallana in terms of I was I wrote a piece on him after the Newcastle game because of course he's you know his Liverpool career is now officially over. We know he's on the brink of signing a, a three year deal with Brighton. Um, and I, some people will look at all us that Liverpool made over his exit and say, well, hang on a minute, you know, is this 
is this a bit overboard for a guy who, who started nine Premier League games over the past three seasons combined? But, um, you know, you, you speak to anyone at Liverpool, the players, staff, you know, right from the people that work in the canteen to Klopp's backroom staff. You know, he Lallana was immense in this title-winning season, um, you know, in terms of the standards he set every day on the training field. Um, you know, you speak to Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones and Nico Williams about the support and advice he's he's given them you know you think about you know the close bond that we all know he's got with Jordan Henderson um so you know it was very telling that you know when when the re- season restarted and of course there was that issue over players who were out of contract at the end of June would they stay would they go you know the fact that it was it was almost a formality that that uh, even though he wasn't going to f- feature Klopp was desperate for him to stay around for the celebrations because um he he still played an important part, you know. Not you know that I don't think the, the the stats and the game time really do justice to to what Lalana gave Liverpool. And and also let's not forget, you know, he was there from the very start under Klopp. Um, you know, when Klopp talked about wanting players to to push the train rather than just jump on it. Um, you know, Lalana kind of epitomised that mentality. I have to say, it's not often you get moved by um, a player interview, but actually the piece Lalana did with the the club media was. Um, a great insight into his, his bond and his relationship with not only Jordan Henderson, but also, I think, his attachment to the club as well and what it's all meant to him. Fantastic if you haven't seen it. Uh, right, I'm going to skip from there to Simon's university challenge subject. What is it, Si? <laughs> right? Um, Villa Park. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Send them some beaten. <laughs> right, you can't go on too long here. Um, yeah. A mixture of, of grit and guile got them through. I'd, I'd like you to include in this conversation as well, just that the value and the contribution of Trent and Andy Robertson in terms of assists this season because Trent of course from the corner set up Mane to score the winner in that goal you look at Trent's assist record this season 13 <laughs> phenomenal um, but just talk about Villa Park and, on the wider mm. scale and then touch on these fullbacks well as you know Steve I've got some strong views about this game um, <laughs> yeah I mean I, 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 I was at that moment I, I, I did think Liverpool were going to win the league to be honest I just thought you know to, to, to recover from 1-0 down and to have everything go against Liverpool as it did on that day you know <laughs> the reaction after the game made me laugh because you got a lot of people saying oh lucky Liverpool it was actually the opposite you know Liverpool on that day everything went wrong for them you know the VAR decision with, with Firmino supposedly being offside by an armpit. Um, some decisions missed where they should have penalties, but they kept going, they kept going, they kept going and eventually ground Villa, Villa's defence into dust. I mean, you, you mentioned Trent Alexander-Arnold there and I remember sitting in the in the in the press box in that game and it, 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 you're surrounded by Villa supporters and there's a couple of people just sitting in front of me and just at half time even when Villa were winning saying this lad is incredible you know he was Trent was running up and down the, the wing right by us from his position at right back and you know, I, I think I think you can always tell a lot by the reaction of sort of uh, season ticket holders who, who see you know teams come week in week out. They were like, this lad's just you know the same as Steven Gerrard. You know his passing ability, just incredible. Um, and it, you know he, he plays a massive role in the turnarounds in that in that game. I mean, obviously Andy Robertson scores scores the equaliser with three minutes to go. And I, I remember I just thought Liverpool are going to get a winner from this moment. I remember nudging the other lad who works at the Athletic, uh, Greg Evans, who covers Villa. And I said, you know, Liverpool, I think we're going to score here again. And, and um, Trent, of course, took that free kick, which took a deflection and went out for a corner. And there was nothing stopping him. It wasn't like, you know, he's sitting there, standing there, sort of despondent. He got on with the free, uh, the, the corner and, and took it. And then obviously Mane scored. And I was I was trying to dig out some of the scenes from the away ends um, the other day. Uh, the, one of my favourite scenes of the season that where everybody just obviously loses their minds when, when the goal goes in. And some people might be familiar with this guy. But there's a, there's a Norwegian guy called Torbjorn who who's one of the the um, one of the founder members of the the, the Copite magazine and Torbjorn is, is is sort of his own man shall we say and is just standing there clapping his hands quite quietly <laughs> while everybody else is just going absolutely crazy and I just thought it was one of those days where you just actually think you know what this team are going to gain so much from that that result obviously came off the back I think of a similar game against Leicester where they scored in the last late you know late goals just give 
both teams such belief and I can't I, I was I was speaking to Jed Ray that you know the, the the statistician was trying to figure out the last time Liverpool scored two late goals in that fashion and um, I'm still waiting for an answer actually I'll have to, to chase him on that because uh, you know it, it, I just think it marks that you know the teams out you know when when, when you look at teams that the turn history around you know you think about Man United against Sheffield Wednesday uh, in 90 I think 93 when when Steve Bruce scores that, that late goal it was it was like that it felt like that I know it was much early in the season but I just thought you know they're, they're, they're there till the end of the season now Liverpool are, they're going to be close if, if, and if they don't win it I was I was, I was surprised to be honest that they, they didn't win it from that point because I just thought you know the, the, the experience that they'll take from those moments just uh, just enormous for any footballer it was certainly a significant occasion. You, you could say Liverpool don't become champions without Jordan Henderson's leadership or goals from Mo Salah or Sadio Mane or Virgil van Dijk's Rolls-Royce-esque nature. But you, you definitely say that the contribution of the fullbacks is part of why Liverpool are the Premier League champions this season, James. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think it, and also it's something I think gets overlooked sometimes when people question you know the uh, Liverpool's midfield, and 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 talk about you know are they, you know is it dynamic enough at times? You know are there enough goals from midfield, and and it it kind of ignores the the manner in which this Klopp team operates. You know so much of the creativity comes from comes from those marauding fullbacks out wide, and you know and, and I, th- I think their development probably more than any other players in the squad is testament to to Klopp's man management and his tactical acumen and. An ability to develop talent on the training field because, yeah, when you when you think at you know there, there's so many great backstories in this Liverpool squad, but there aren't many better than you know a, a young kid from from Glasgow who got released by Celtic because he was he was they thought he was too small to make it at the highest level and and had to work his way up from the absolute lower reaches of the Scottish leagues and then you know plucked from relegated Hull City. When you know there weren't really any other takers amongst big clubs for him, I think it was I think it was Bournemouth. I think it was at the time that that had shown some interest. So yeah, when you look at just how important he's been, and then of course on the other side you've got the unbelievable tale of the local boy living the dream and his development into for me the most complete right back in in European football. Um, they they they've, they've just. You know, and, and they've, there's a really healthy rivalry between the two. I think that kind of spurs them on, and I think they've both talked about you know the little wager they have between them in terms of who can provide the most assists. And yeah, both <laughs> of those have been have been absolutely huge in in terms of you know just you know what what they provide to this Liverpool team with 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 their you know just just the array of quality from those wide areas. Uh, just a footnote on both of them. They both improved their records from last season. So Trent's got 13 assists this season. Uh, Andy Robertson's got 12. Trent had 12 last season and uh, Robertson had 11. So they're both improving all the time. Um, let's go to the game against Manchester City. So you felt after the Villa game, that was Liverpool as as title winners. Uh, but to beat Manchester City at home in the fashion they did it, that fabulous goal from Fabinho and the 3-1 home win and an eight-point lead but still there was a little bit of reticence from the crowd perhaps to actually vocally endorse that at that stage Si mm, well yeah I couldn't understand why that would be the case you know I mean I wasn't singing from the rooftops that Liverpool were going to win the league at that point <laughs> but, but you know privately I just thought you know they got a great chance and the City game uh you know, came at an important time. That's why the Villa game was 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 such a massive win as well. Because I think if you perhaps don't beat Villa, you know, puts more pressure on ahead of the City game. You know, quite quickly there's that that sort of eight point gap, which um, which appears might be might be a bit small, quite a bit smaller. So um, it was very important that the that the that they beat Villa to. to give them that momentum, especially having not beaten Manchester United the week before that. So, um, I mean, it, it gets forgotten, but, but I, I thought Man City at Anfield were absolutely brilliant for the large part. And yet Liverpool raced into a 3-0 lead. Um, you know, they, they, they really put Liverpool under the grill in the second half. And I think that was partly by design. I think Klopp sort of wanted to, to play on the counter-attack even more. But to be fair, I think that was a, a big moment in the atmosphere around Anfield as well. You know, people talk about, the, you know, the trust between the crowd and, and the players and, and the manager. And it was the first time where I felt, you know, City were on top that second half. They got a goal and 
despite the pressure, you know, the crowd just stayed with the team all the way through. And it never, even though City were totally dominant, I didn't feel that they were going to break through. I just, I just couldn't feel it. You know, remember Raheem Salem was, was brilliant that day. You know, obviously the um, the headlines afterwards were about his spat with, with Joe Gomez. And I think that was partly because Sterling played so well. He played so well and didn't, you know, really impact the game in the way that that performance deserved. So a lot of frustration from him at the end of the game. And you, you can understand why. And just, I mean, I mentioned this a few times, but I think, you know, Dejan Lovren that, that day I thought had, had probably his best game for Liverpool you know incredible performance against against uh, Aguero who got subbed off if I remember you know he, he's I know Aguero's had a tough time at Anfield but he's always been an opponent that, that Lovren's struggled against and I remember watching him closely that day because it was on his sort of side of the defence in the in the, uh, in the first half and his concentration was, was really spot on he was, he was brilliant and I think it just reminds again you know like sort of People be bringing the conversation back to now. You know, people talk about centre halves and will they need to replace Lovren? I, I I think that they will. You know, because if he's not available that game, you know, Joe Gomez hasn't hadn't played much before. You know, obviously Matip wasn't around. You know, that that was a big performance in a big victory for Liverpool. So they're going to need to replace that that sort of level of ability and experience. I I, I think one way or another because it does catch up with you at, at some point. Who knows if he didn't play that game, maybe Liverpool don't get the result that they want, and maybe it's a draw. Maybe the the momentum swings the other way a little. A bit. So all these things do matter. Um, but it was a great, it was a great win for Liverpool that day. I mean, Anfield afterwards was, it was party time in the pubs afterwards. I remember that. This is the Red Agenda on The Athletic and this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Uh, The experts in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped has just launched in the UK. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job. That's right, isn't it, Simon? Uh, Sorry, you you can be one of the first men in the country to experience this life-changing product from Manscaped. It's a third-generation trimmer. Fancy go at this one. Um, it features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. Of course, that would be one of the key worries here, wouldn't it? Uh, and it's got water-resistant technology as well. It allows you to groom in the shower. Boys, it's perfect, isn't it, for the end of season? I've been telling James that this is what he needs. <laughs> uh, there's a special offer right now. If you're listening to this podcast, get 20% off and free shipping. Use the code uh, EPL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with uh, free shipping at manscaped.com with the code EPL20. Happy shaving down there. Uh, let's get back to Liverpool's um, season. Um, we'll go to December. There was nine games on the fixture list, but the biggest story, and even now when you look back at it, is Jurgen Klopp's contract. It's sort of um, I don't know, I don't know what effect it had inside the dressing room or internally in the club, but for the fan base at large, it's something that everyone had been waiting for, James. Yeah, it, it was absolutely immense, and I think part of the reason why you know you, you could you could make a strong claim for that being you know the, the the most important mark in the entire season because it, it had just started to become a talking point, and you know I, I know I know that the owners would have been more than happy to to give him whatever contract he wanted after the Champions League final. But Klopp had said then, no, 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 you know, I'm more than happy with the contract I've got. You know, let's just let's just crack on. And um and I think it, it became more of a talking point because then you, you suddenly had situations where actually when you're when you're actually discussing contract extensions with players you know, you, you're expecting them to commit to deals that go on longer than than the actual managers committed to to staying, and I, and I think that can create a bit of an issue because Klopp Klopp was only guaranteed to stay around till 2022, and and there was undoubtedly behind the scenes at Liverpool a, a sense that you know maybe maybe he will want to have a sabbatical, maybe he won't sign again, and so yeah, there was a school of thought that he'd done seven years at Mines, seven years at Dortmund, and. And that there'd be that symmetry of seven years at Liverpool, and he'd, and he'd have a sabbatical in the summer of 2022. So, the fact that in December he turned round to the owners and said, "Okay, yeah, I'm ready. Uh, I'll, um, I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to extend for another two years," was was absolutely huge for Liverpool. And um, you know, I think it gave everyone, not not just the supporters, but everyone in the dressing room, a lift as well. The fact that 
you know, do you know what this guy who has transformed not only this football club but each of our careers in terms of helping us to maximise our potential? You know, he he is signalling that he's now around for for the long term, and yeah, I, I don't think it was any coincidence that that then Liverpool enjoyed mm. enjoyed that extraordinary run. Um, you know, December, December was ridiculous, wasn't it? When you think back to, you know, especially when you think of people expected them to to stumble because of the the travel commitments of having to go to Qatar and 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 go and play two games over there win the club world cup and then you know some really tricky fixtures over christmas you know Leicester away Wolves at home yeah i mean that, that Leicester away game for me that that was Liverpool's most complete performance of the season um because again it shouldn't be overlooked just because of what happened to Leicester in the second half of the season the um, the fact that you know that night they were Liverpool's nearest challengers in the Premier League table. You know they were in fantastic form. I think most people were looking at that, going, "This is a this is a big hurdle." Having just come back from Qatar, and Brendan Rodgers' side got absolutely blown away. Yeah, I think it emphasised side Liverpool's desire to win. It was it was a confirmation of it. Yeah, yeah, I do I do agree with that. I mean, I, I was just looking at the fixture list there. You know, Liverpool, including the the Villa game where they obviously fielded the the junior team. They, they played eight games in twenty two days. I mean, that that <laughs> Christmas is is a difficult period anyway, and and certainly after January is a period where Liverpool have 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 had some indifferent results over the last few years. But to have you know to have that number of games at that time of year and, and win all of them apart from obviously the, the one at Villa I just think just says everything about sort of the mentality of the, of the players and the the level of preparation that goes on at Liverpool as well um, I mean Klopp spoke before the Newcastle game didn't he about the most satisfying results of the season for him and obviously James mentioned that there that you know Leicester was the most complete performance I totally agree with that but he, he was satisfied because you know because of the challenges around that game of, of going to Qatar coming back going straight to Leicester and absolutely blowing them away I mean Le- Leicester could have got a result at Anfield earlier on the season, you know, very, very good side. But, you know, Liverpool 4-0 was quite flattering, I thought, that night. Liverpool could have scored 6 or 7, and I don't think Brendan Rodgers could have had many complaints, really. And, um, you know, we, we've spoken about Trent before, but the, the goal that he scores, for me, one of the, certainly one of the goals of the season. Um, I just remember, you know, you can tell a lot by the sort of the reaction of of players towards that play, you know, former players. I remember Javier Mascarano sort of tweeting about, you know, Trent's goals, just saying, you know, wow, it just just shows you, you know, the level of football that Liverpool were playing and you know the standards they was they were setting. And I think that when you when you go to uh, Leicester was second, I think in the league at that time, when you go and win in that fashion, you know, it's so demoralising for the rest of the league because you think, well, you know, that <laughs> they're the closest rivals and that they've they've got Gone onto the home patch and, and absolutely smashed them all over the place, which Liverpool did. So, brilliant performance. Um, you know, it was a great, great Christmas period for Liverpool, which was, as, as, as Klopp said, you know, followed up with a, a really, really, really top level performance against Sheffield United at home. I know people might get a bit, bit sniffy about that Sheffield United, but let's not forget they've had a brilliant season, very difficult to play against. And I remember Chris Wilder's post-match press conference when he, he came out and and he was just like in awe of Liverpool just said you know there's not a great deal anyone can do when they play like that and uh, it was just total control of that game it's just just a privilege to be able to watch that level of performance I don't think there's been many many better over the last 30 years if you, if you look at those two games in terms of exactly what Liverpool delivered on the day it was just total total domination and I think if you talk to lots of supporters they'll have different moments which perhaps are the, the key moments for their season a lot of people might just have won for me it was the 19th of January the game against United it was Allison's long kick it was Mo Salah's goal and it was Salah's celebration in front of the cop and I was down there at that end quite quite close to him at that point that was where it all came together for me personally and and hearing them all sing we're going to win the league and it all came at once it wasn't sort of some sort of general introduction of that singing James it was it was quite a forceful emphatic singing of it yeah, it was, and I think you're right. I was, I was writing a review of the season last week, and um, I, I picked that as my moment of the season. Um, that that Mo Salah goal in in stoppage time to to kill off United more more because of as you said what followed you know the outpouring of emotion and so sort of any any doubts you had were were slowly being dispersed seemingly on a on a weekly basis, and I think the only thing that had stopped. Anfield collectively 
really shouting about it had been that weight of history and 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 just you know it was all I remember at the time it was all you know if, if you said to someone you know this is it you know we, we, this this is it this is this is the end of the weight it was like you know don't say that you can't say that <laughs> you know, don't 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 tempt fate you know there's you know we're in bloody you know, December we're in January don't but it but then it was almost when Salah scored and whipped his shirt off and and Allison must have sprinted the best part of a hundred yards to to beat his teammates and slide on his knees to, to greet Salah first you know that just Anfield just decided you know sod it we are we're going to tell you know we're going to tell the world now that this is our year and yeah that that booming rendition of now you're going to believe us we're going to win the league that was that was I think you know it was almost like I think most people knew it before then but that was the that was the moment when they decided they didn't need to didn't need to be quiet about it any longer yeah because I, 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 I would go along with that as well Steve um, you know that was the moment of the season for me definitely you know without getting too unprofessional or soppy about it like like my wife had given birth you know the, a couple of uh, I think it was only a week before and you know lack of sleep and, and all those sorts of things thrown in you know 30 years of you know sort of most of that time Man United being ahead of Liverpool you know to, 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 to send them packing in that fashion you know it was, it was just so emphatic I just remember when that goal went in I'm all Collapsed in the, uh, in the in the in the main stand there. I couldn't I couldn't get myself back up. I was just like totally and utterly drains of everything. Um, and uh, in in the Glenbrook pub afterwards, you know the the, the the party going on was just brilliant. That that Sunday night, it was uh, yeah. I'll take that with me forever. And I think that's why I think that's why um, you know went, went to go from that position of absolute enjoyment and satisfaction, all the things that you can feel in a football match, to go from that to what we had in lockdown. I just felt, are we ever going to get that back again? You know, that absolute hysteria that you see in a football ground. And for me, it's, it's up there with all the moments of, of, of any points in Liverpool's history over the last sort of 30 years. As far as I can remember, it was just an absolutely brilliant way to go around things off against them. Yeah, it was an absolute high, wasn't it? Um, and, and, and with James, the number of times people said, you're not allowed to say we're going to win the league. And then all of a sudden <laughs> it was absolutely fine because everyone had sung it on one day. Um, crazy. <laughs> right, we'll go from that high to, um, we'll skip a couple of moments and we'll go to defeat against soon-to-be-relegated Watford, which, again, you'll look back on as one of the, the bizarrest narratives, James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think anyone really really saw that coming that, that day. It was... Yeah, it was just a, it was just a bit, a bit bizarre. Like you know, the just the the, the mistakes that that Liverpool made, and um, it was a bit of a, a bit of a throwback. I think you'd almost by that point, it, it, you know, it, it almost felt that that was the kind of game that would be a formality because you think on the on the back of that win over United and the outpouring of emotion, you know, they gone to gone to Molyneux and 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 again found a way to win a, a really tough game. They won a way to. To West Ham, absolutely demolished Southampton. You know, chiselled another really narrow one out away at at Norwich, and so you just you know you you just went into that expecting well this you know this this will be a, a another another three points. But they got you know they you you got to give Watford credit because I think you know they, 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 because of the fear factor that had crept into facing Liverpool, a lot of teams didn't even try to really take them on. It was almost damage limitation and try to set up to frustrate them but Watford were were aggressive and and, and got into Liverpool's faces in that in that second half and and, and rattled them in a way that very few opponents were able to do at, at all over the the course of the the season and you know Saar was was excellent that night of course Dini, um, you know, doesn't need a second invitation to try and rattle centre backs, and you know he, he certainly came off the, the winner in his personal duel with with Lovren that evening. So um, yeah, it was um, it was it was kind of a, a a rare blip in a in a in a season with you know with so many highlights. Mm, just a shame, Simon, that. That record that they'd been on was broken in such a moment. For me, I felt that going the whole season unbeaten would have been pretty satisfying, you know, over any points record, really, because, 
you know, with points records, they can always be beaten, but but going unbeaten, you know, you you, you can't have that taken away from you. You know, obviously they, they were in the Champions League at that point as well. I, mean, I don't, as far as I think I wrote that, that no team has ever gone unbeaten and won the Champions League. That was like sort of the, the highest the ambition at the, at the time. It felt like, you know, it was going to take something incredible to stop Liverpool in the tracks. And, you know, I, I firmly believe that had, first of all, had, had Alisson been in goal for that game, as I mentioned before, you know, against Atletico Madrid, he'd have gone through. You know, that Jan Oblak offered one of the, the best visiting performance of any goalkeeper that I've ever seen at Liverpool uh, at Anfields. He was incredible that night. And I think that the, it was a strange atmosphere, you know, against Atletico Madrid. I think, um, you know, the people were obviously sort of conscious of what was going on around them in the world. I remember going into the press room that before that game and, you know, it was announced that we were now in the midst of a pandemic. And I thought, well, heck, you know, like the, <laughs> things are really going to start change pretty soon. And obviously that news had got around. And I think that people were like, you know, was, Anfield was in full voice that night, but it just felt there was something not quite right. And I just think one or two things sort of conspired against Liverpool that day. And Atletico Madrid, you know, fair, fair play. You know, we can't really complain of them, them going through. But I just, I just feel it's a shame that we weren't able to see in a, in a more natural circumstance to see Liverpool playing against them and where that would have led for Liverpool because, you know, they were still in the competition. They'd have a great chance of winning it, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, that doesn't take away from the, the scale of the achievements of, of winning the Premier League. I mean, that, that is enough. You know, that, that just means everything. It, it, you know, points, records, going unbeaten, it, it just doesn't matter for, for people who've lived through the whole entirety of that period. This is the Red Agenda. It's sponsored by Harry's. And uh, Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors. And now by taking less profit, Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price. Amazing quality blades, now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Uh, Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. As a listener, you can start shaving with Harry's today. Claim your trial set for £3.95. Support the podcast and get the set delivered to you. It includes a razor handle, five-blade cart, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash the red agenda right now. Now let's talk about crossing uh, the finishing line. So after the enforced uh, break, uh, that line was close. It was a draw with Everton, a win against Palace. They're on the brink. But of course, the title was won as Chelsea beat Manchester City 2-1. So that's obviously a, a big moment for fans. The trophy was handed over to Liverpool's players and staff on the night of July the 22nd after the thumping win over Chelsea at home. Which is the moment, if you're going to look at the two of them, James, and, and pick one out and say, well, that means more to me. Because obviously Liverpool weren't playing when they won the title. Yeah, I'd say both moments were a little bit surreal, actually, because of the circumstances surrounding it. I think, first of all, you're right, you know, you of all the of all the ways in which... You, you kind of envisaged the, the long way ending. You know, you ne- you never really thought it would would involve cheering on Chelsea winning in an empty Stamford Bridge. So that was a that was a bit odd. Um, but yeah, I'd say probably the outpouring of emotion was greater on the night when it actually when it actually was mathematically certain. I think I think it was just the relief as well because because of the circumstances and because of you know the the pandemic and you know you you thought back to those early days after the shutdown when you know there was so much uncertainty and you had you know certain clubs trying to you know some pretty shameless examples of self-interest um you know spouting about potentially null and voiding the season and and would we ever ever see the season actually be completed so i think just to see to see it mathematically certain i think i think that was the the huge buzz for me um you know i was lucky enough to be inside anfield for the trophy lift last week um after the chelsea game and and that was special i think you know i, I wondered what it would be like because of you know, you, you, we've seen some trophy lifts around Europe that have looked pretty ridiculous with the social distancing measures and and, and obviously the absence of fans. But I, I thought Liverpool actually put on a really good show in terms of, you know, it, it was as good as it possibly could have been. And, you know, I love the idea of having the stage in the cup and, ha- you know, all the three other sides of the ground being blacked out and, and um, you know, the focus just being on the cop and the players being surrounded by those banners. And so, yeah, I think it was... and. You know, the nice thing for me was you could see 
just how much it still meant to, to Klopp and the staff and the players and because you had you had you know you had a lot of rival fans saying you know you know it's it's almost like pointless the season now and it you know it won't it's it's been tarnished in any way and you know you only had to look at you look back at though you know the amazing footage from last week you know um, try telling anyone involved in that 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 this was tarnished in any way it was the scenes were were absolutely in- incredible. Um, so yeah, it was a real mix, I'd say, of you know pride, elation, but also relief that you know to to actually get the job done when so much was was thrown up in the air by COVID nineteen. When you say tarnish, it's interesting because I think back to that podcast we did on the night where they they won the title when Chelsea beat City, and I remember vividly looking at Simon's face and Simon, you were just so emotionally drained. I I could. <laughs> see on that on because we were doing it on zoom i could just see how much it meant to you personally and i remember you saying the day after you just went wandering the streets it's the sort of crazy thing you do when you completely lost your mind yeah yeah well yeah that's definitely the case um yeah i mean i think i think on that night there was a mixture of relief um satisfaction i wouldn't say it felt joyous because of the circumstance i just i was just I, I was quite surprised because I, did, I, I didn't think it would happen in the, those circumstances. I mean, I've got to admit, I, I sort of feel a bit differently to James because obviously we were we were working that night and um, obviously talking about it straight away. And by the time I actually did go for a little walk where I live in Crosby, everywhere was shut. Nobody was out. It just felt like it hadn't happened. So, you know, I, I think that last week winning it against, oh, sorry, lifting the trophy against Chelsea, I, I, I've never really placed a great amount of um, sort of emphasis or, or, or significance on a trophy lift for some reason it's always that moment of realisation when the final whistle goes like I, I don't look back at you know when I look at images of Madrid a year earlier when Jordan Henderson lifts the trophy I don't feel that level of satisfaction watching that it's when the final whistle goes and the players drop to the floor and everybody you know, goes insane on, on the terraces. That's that's when I sort of look and think, wow, you know, that's just the feeling's just incredible. So, um, I, I, I d- despite saying that, you know, I, I, I went to the pub with, with, with some of my mates on um, last last week, and I, I felt quite quite fortunate in some ways to be able to spend that moment with people who. I haven't really been able to watch the game with that much, you know, because I, a, because of work, you know, when you, when you're working all the time, you know, mates, when they're at the game, you know, they're out and about, you've still got work to do. Or, or even when you are at the game, sometimes, you know, you're not able to sit with your mates and, and, and experience that together. It's only when you get, you know, you get out afterwards that you see them. And by then, obviously the mood is, is still joyous, but it's changed a little bit. So to be in the pub surrounded by, you know, some of your closest friends at a moment where, you know, we've spoken about it for, you know that this moment for for you know that it's, it's the basis of our friendship. You know, in many ways, I think that's that's what's what's so important. So I felt very lucky to be able to to witness that with friends, albeit in the pub. It was it was it was a brilliant moment, like a total outpouring of emotion. I think between all of us because we've all known each other for that you know length of time. And you know, I remember having the conversations with these lads in like sort of the early mid nineties when we became friends. When are Liverpool going to win the title again? So so to be able to see that moment with them is is something that I always remember because I don't think uh, even if we were in the ground we'd have been able to have that that that, that level of uh, I suppose intimacy really you know at that moment it was it was brilliant so it, you know two two different moments for me like you know if you, if you look back at it and each one satisfying in a, in a, in a, in a very different way really enjoyed reliving uh, the journey of, of the season don't think we've missed anything out have we guys there's no there's no obvious points within that mm. season that we've skated there's so many different stories aren't there Ever I think we picked Steve. one of the biggest <laughs> Oh, of course. Yeah, Curtis Jones. And all. Anyway, we've <laughs> run out of time on the podcast. Um, look, we were going to talk about your piece with Andy Carroll, but I think we'll maybe touch on that next week, give it a bit more time. Um, I'm sure there'll be stuff over the next few weeks that the boys are going to be writing on, which uh, will be well worth uh, grabbing the Athletic for and checking out online. But um, James, Simon, thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Cheers, Steve. And we will return with another Red Agenda in a week's time. 